transcending the veil. Yeah, I carried around this feeling that we, I would like to talk to you again since the last discussion, because we, I think we, we last time we covered sort of the main big points, but really after the recording we talked about other topics as well, and I thought, hang on, there's so much more that this topic is. It is so vast, because what I find interesting is that yeah, money is even part of of Tantra, right? It's like you, you don't shy away from any topic where you just perceive it as energy to work with, right? Um, that is at least something we briefly touched on. So yeah. that that is a curious part where I thought, right, yeah, sex is so, sort of the big topic that we would talk about in the Western world, but then no, hang on, even money and everything. So it is so vast and all inclusive. So I was wondering, how how is that actually integrated? Because when when you go into this like, sort of what is Tantra, then you discover all right, there's yoga, meditation, and all these practices sort of align. And, and you talked about it at great length and about the Kundalini and all of that. But how are when we talk about money how is that integrated because i don't see a direct link if if i go on google and search for right great tantra schools in europe and i want to start you know um for me i have the question right how is that into how how is that part of that teaching Does that All make right. sense? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it makes perfect sense. But it, it's actually quite simple, the answer. So one part of the teaching of Tantra is uh, you as a, an aspirant, so you as a person who aims to realize the truth, to discover God or the self or what, what is the way you call it, if you are searching for that, you need certain basic things so you need to have resources for that and many people especially in the new age um, movements let's say they flirt with certain ideas for instance that we don't need money you know money is an illusion and we, yeah, we just yeah. go in, we just go without money yeah and uh, and I, I actually was very curious about this topic um, and made quite a research on it and uh, I reached to this point where there's this question do we need money Mm. You know, and there's a big discussion about it. Some people talk about abundance and the law of abundance, and it's all about if you are good spiritually, you should have a lot of money. Mm. Other yeah. people is like, no, no. I mean, if you're spiritual, you don't have material needs. And you... so, I think in the end, it comes down to the, to the first part of the sentence. So, do we need money? Depends on who we are. If we means a group of monks in the Himalayas. What would you do with money? Yeah. Clean your body. I, I mean, you need some food. You need to find some berries or some strange fruits that grow in the mountains. Uh, but that's it. You don't need money. You you, you live very well without money. Mm. If who you are is a cosmopolitan being, uh, having bills to pay and maybe a family to feed, of course you need money. What? Uh, how are you going to be responsible for your life and the life of if you have somebody uh, dependent on you? You need money, obviously. So. Money is just one of the resources that you will need in the world as it is built today, because we have a, a world be, built on a paradigm of scarcity. Yeah? yeah. If you look at if you look at the, okay, let's put this more correctly. 
our world, our planet, is a planet built on a paradigm of abundance. I mean, yeah. you, you take an apple from a tree and it contains the seed of 10 trees. You can build 10 new trees from one apple and the, the tree gives hundreds of apples, right? So it's built on abundance. You go, you go to the fountain in the middle of the mountain to drink some natural fresh water. You don't close the tap afterwards. It's running for centuries there, that water. You know, it's, it's abundant. There's a cycle of water. There's a cycle of nature that is all built on abundance. But we as humans, due to our, for the time being, contracted mindset, we have built a, a system of society that is built on scarcity. On hmm. you don't have enough, yeah. So on this system, you will need money. Sorry, yes. Ask. I see an inquisitive face. <laughs> no, 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 it's fine, please. Uh, because uh, I was wondering, you've lived in different cultures, mm -hmm. and now you're back in the Western world. Well, so cultures. When... I was. I was always in the Western world, but I did uh, give up the money part. I lived in ashram for many years, where I. Didn't have to worry at all about money, uh, but yeah, now I'm back in the money world. Let's say. Yeah, <laughs> because when when you, when you talk about abundance in nature and this planet that we live on, um, scarcity is. I feel something in the Western world definitely, but my question was, how is it in the other places that you've lived when when you lived in an ashram, is that abundance as well or? Well, you, you have to see that abundance is a relative uh, concept. For instance, uh, I believe that even if now, uh, nowadays most people in the civilized world, I'm, I'm not talking in cases of extreme poverty, but most people have quite a basic needs. I mean, a roof over their heads, some food. Uh, for most people, they would not consider that abundance. A monk would be overflowing with abundance if you had a house and food uh, you know it's they are not used to having so many things as we have an iphone and an apple computer and mm. all these things uh, 10 changes of clothes in the closet you know we have we have a, a concept of abundance built on this scarcity and need for meaning that we patch up with consuming goods the more we consume, the more we do. It doesn't need to be clothes or computers. It can be travels. Some people are addicted to traveling. And if they cannot travel for a year because their money was tight, the budget, they go crazy. It's like they're going to explode. You know, So mm. abundance, as I think spiritually would be defined, is the ability to have all the resources you need for the lessons you need to learn at the moment. And in one moment, the lesson you need to learn might involve scarcity. So you would not see that as a lack of abundance that you don't have money for a few months, you know? You'd see it as, wow, perfectly necessary lesson for me to transcend this aspect of my personality that I've been delaying transforming. So in that sense, I, I don't think uh, in an ashram, anybody would co consider abundance the same way as in the normal society. So yeah, there's no, usually there's no scarcity in ashrams. If you go to India, it's, quite part of the culture that if you have some wealth, you are donating to ashrams, you are donating to holy people and holy places. In our culture here, most ashrams are built and they are self-sufficient, let's say, because monks are very industrious people. Uh, contrary to what people think, monks are not just sitting there praying, you know. Monks are extremely dynamic. They have a power to act and to 
perform in the world that they would put most companies to shame. You know, if you put a group of monks to build a company, that would be the best company in the world. But um, but they simply devote all that energy to something else. So somehow, in a natural way, a group of aspirants are always provided for mysteriously. Sometimes it's by the work they do. Sometimes it's by a mysterious donation by somebody who saw what they do and was impressed and they actually have money, so they felt to donate. So it's never something like in the world where you have an insurance, you know, you have insurance company. We don't have insurance. Our insurance is God. So we know that somehow everything will go well, but it's not assured in a mechanical way. You understand this is a more, um, how to say, integrated approach. Mm-hmm. There's a mag- magical way, let's say, mysterious way, how an aspirant who is really searching and truly wanting to discover is always provided for. It's kind of uh, an axiom in spirituality. You, yeah. Usually people who, who don't have enough <laughs> is because what they are searching or what they are wanting is not aligned with what they need, usually. So this division between needs and wants, this is what usually creates the problems. Yeah, this is interesting. I, I don't know if we talked about it already last time. I mean, off off topic, uh, off off camera. Um, what you're talking about is these synchronicities that start to happen in your life. And when when you manifest something or aspire to something, things are just given to you in order to reach whatever. I, I wouldn't say goal, but um, yeah, is this. Yeah, but no, not, in this new, not in this new age idea that uh, I aspire for something, therefore I put my mind to it and I'll get that, you know. No. Because there's this, there's this concept of uh, die will be done. So uh, an aspirant is striving to learn and to know the will of God and the, the supreme will and to surrender to that will, to kind of learn how to go with that flow, which is quite opposite of what is done in most uh, new age spirituality nowadays which is all about me my wants my desires my mission my you know it's mm-hmm. all about the kind of egocentric uh, perspective when the reality is that what you learn to do is you learn to surf the wave you know the wave is gigantic you cannot make a different wave already it's already there you just learn how to surf that wave of the will of god of, or the supreme will and um, and thus when you are on that wave Yes, you'll get everything that you need for your transformation. If you're not on that wave, yes, you are playing with other things, not not the same as we are talking here. <laughs> how how to find the path to Tantra? Okay, well, Nils, I think you you should set your goal to God, you know, find your your path to God. And if it's Tantra, and I think it might be, you you'll find it, you know. So set the goal on finding God. We talked about it off camera as well. You you, you spend time in an ashram, mm-hmm. yet you decided to come back to the the Western life, so to say. <laughs> you, you you left a place of you you left your teacher, and you left a place of abundance. We we talked about abundance already, where you know it, it really matters how what what is abundance for you. But I would say in, in that place, it was abundant for you. Um, what made you come I, back? 
Uh, I just want to correct something there. I, I didn't leave my teacher. I, I still relate to my teacher. I still ask uh, all yeah. the time when I need something. Uh, these situations I'm telling you when the mind goes crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm, I'm fortunate uh, I, I've met uh, two, three very, very good teachers in my life. And I still relate to all of them. And so one of them usually is the, you know, the supporting hand that is generous enough to support me and to really hold me in the moments of crisis but uh, so made this uh, correction made I, i'll answer your, your question i i think it's not a very natural thing to do or a very so nowadays i think when i think just logically yes it's more logical to be in an ashram and it's more logical to be surrounded by a community of your peers who feel like you feel and who do like you do and who act like you act and who are not finding it strange that you never drank coffee in your whole life and that uh, you are not uh, high on uh, <laughs> stimulants and taking pills uh, in the night to sleep. I don't know. Pe people are, are living a very, very different lifestyle in the world than uh, what we live in an ashram. And so... I would not necessarily recommend what I'm doing, so to to be in the in the city. But at the same time, my heart has a certain sense of purpose in doing that. So I, maybe it's an illusion of my mind, and I hope it's not. And if it is, I hope it will be corrected soon. But I have this uh, sense that what God wants me to do is to somehow reach out in certain places to certain people touch their heart and then they find their way you know and they find their path and if all the people who are somehow in alignment with the will of god and with uh, the direction that brings you to this sublime inner peace and godly ecstasy if all these people reunite in an ashram what will happen to all the other people who are not uh, yet in the in that alignment you know so i believe that for some people and again i don't recommend this generically but i think I don't know. I think some people have that role in um, in existence to be in the middle of the hurricane, you know, in the middle of where things are difficult and kind of stay still there, you know, stand still. So it, it's not like I moved to the world and I be, began to be a, a regular or a mundane human being. I am still a monk. I live in a very humble apartment. I don't even have a room. It's just a living room, you know. I live in a, a very humble way, and I try my best not to be caught by any uh, greed desires, uh, social status desires, positions. I try my best, and it's a challenge, of course, to stay focused on uh, my aspiration to find God and my aspiration to continue my inner path of development and by doing that naturally without advertising without making you know a big flag out of it simply by that people are inspired around you if you keep certain basic principles like in yoga and tantra you have the basic principle of truth you should you should not lie i think in christianity it's called you shall not lie if you keep that principle and the principle of ahimsa you should not be violent you should be loving you should be so these principles if you simply live and abide by those principles people around you are touched in a very mysterious way because you're not you're not selling anything you know i don't have a, a course or something to sell i'm just being what my teachers taught me how to be and i'm trying to keep that with all my strength in the middle of all the pressure to be something else yeah and i think i believe i might be wrong about this i might be very wrong about this but i believe there is a value in that and i believe there is something at least 
for that one person that maybe is inspired by that and finds a new path in life where they'll be a better father to their children or a better husband to their wives or even to be a yogi or to discover God, whatever is the beneficial aspect for that person, I think for that one person, it will make a huge difference. And for me, that is good enough. You know, it will make me happy if I finish this life thinking, wow, that one person was... Yeah. was beneficially influenced by why what I was doing for myself. I mean, I am trying myself to reach somewhere, right? So mm-hmm. it's my own effort, but I'm not leaving this effort alone in an ashram, alone or in a group in an ashram. I'm leaving this effort in the middle of uh, the city, let's say. But uh, as I tell you, from my experience, is something that is almost uh, impossible. It's extremely hard. And uh, I can see that. My future will most likely uh, go back to an ashram, you know, because it's almost impossible to not give in to certain tensions and certain pressures of society. You go on the company dinner and uh, all the food is meat and I'm a vegetarian. You you are with the people, everybody is smoking and uh, drinking alcohol. I never smoke. I never drink alcohol. So for me, there's a certain very clear incorruptibility like i would never give in to that you know but i know many people would give in to that very easily it's very hard to be unpleasant oh they invited me for lunch at their house but they only cook meat what do i do now i'll just eat it's it's easier for them for me no i I prefer not to go to the lunch you understand so these things i don't think is easy or recommendable for most people and if you if you are not having this experience, because I come already from for many years of experience of ashram, if you never had that experience, I would definitely recommend you start first going to the ashram and then you can decide what is best. Because especially as the world is now, I think very few things are valuable in the outside world in terms of development, uh, spiritualizing your being, etc. It's all the other way around. It all pulls you more and more down while in an ashram it's a nurturing environment for you to go up very fast and very beautifully yeah this this aspect i find extremely interesting because you know when when i'm away for let's call it a workshop or whatever um over a long weekend or a week you get into a mode of whatever you're working on most of the time in our work and then you come back home or into society yeah back into society and then you know for a few days you're still in that on that vibration on that level and you can see the world differently and see oh this is how the world is influenced and so on but then slowly and slowly you move back into that state of where yourself get influenced by your surrounding how do you manage to stay what you'd learned, how you are and what you have become and what you evolved into. I mean, that for me is, I see that from my viewpoint as the most tricky part, because for me, I, yeah, I'm, I'm already already influenced by my entire world and surrounding that I live in. And it's always like, yeah, as, as I have described, for me, a very, very tricky area. Yeah, I I I, th- I know what you mean, Nils, and I don't think it's even almost possible. You know, I don't want to say it like this because it stra- sounds strange. But how do I know, how, how do I tell you? So I think it's much uh, not much. I think it's the only way 
for you to clear yourself from those influences that you spend a long period of time within an environment where you have a teacher or a master, somebody who knows, and that is guiding you and other fellow disciples to learn. In India, they say that you should stay at least 12 years with your master. That's a, oh. that's a saying there. <laughs> you stay 12 years there. Then you can go and do your things, but first you stay 12 years, you know, formatting your, your being. Because you, you, we are born with so many, you know, imprints in our memory from our parents, from school, from friends around, from everything. That it's almost impossible. And, and I think only if you have some kind of purpose to be doing that, like some people have, you know, some people are meant to be in the middle of uh, the ocean, floating to help some people come mm -hmm. up of the water but uh, but is in if even if you have that i think it's a temporary thing you go there to do something and then you retreat back you know you need to to go back to safety it's like you if you go to swim in the ocean you don't stay in the ocean after a while you come back to to earth you, yeah, you yeah. don't stay there so it's it's a kind of thing that i think you should at this moment again in this time that we are living you should find a place and move there and there are places for all the tastes and the colors uh, of what you search there are places of amazing activities it's not like in the ancient times where all the monasteries all they did was wine and sweets you know traditionally the christian monks were making wine and sweets very nice life but <laughs> <laughs> but but we have we have ashrams that are dedicated to everything you know to art to even uh, uh, having a positive impact in business world like this project i'm associated with now the i'm affiliated to the quantum transformation institute which is not a national but you know it's a community of people who are all united in the same aspiration to bring to the business world a kind of shift in consciousness uh, for um, people who like to make camps and uh, organize things for other people and then instead of you going to the world the world comes to you and you are inspiring still the, the other ones by creating something magnificent that their souls is thirsty for so i think Niels, if you can find a place and join it you know stay for a while just move out of your social life for a period of time take a sabbatical uh, year or a few years and go see what is life on the other side because i i think for you particularly it will be absolutely delightful to learn that yeah, it might be one path yeah <laughs> <laughs> i noticed the hesitation immediately well, maybe <laughs> well i don't i don't want to say it as definite that it is that path that i'm going to take um there, there are many paths to take but yes it certainly sounds intriguing if i find that place um because for me is you approach this by saying you you feel a purpose right is is that a purpose that has evolved in in recent years to you becoming into this right are gonna go back into this western world and no, approach no, it, it this it, way or is, is did you know that it before? was always it was always so even the first ashram where i lived i was somehow always uh, one of the ones who was uh, going out you know i I created the therapy center at the time. So with the things we were learning inside the community, community, we created a community uh, a therapy center. Then we created a massage center. Then we were going to these esoteric fairs, you know, and uh, trying to spread light and giving some lectures and making workshops. So I always, this is what I say. So for my soul, I always felt this connection to 
somehow uh, be on this active part uh, of uh, connecting with this uh, world where we live. But that's very particular to me. And as I tell you, Nils, it might even be a big mistake. So it's not something for you to follow. <laughs> I think it's much, much wiser to follow the straight path of finding a good teacher and aligning yourself with uh, whatever mission or goals that good teacher is serving in this world and see how it goes for you if you are a, a student, you know, if you're humbling yourself to be a student, if you humble yourself to be a disciple maybe one day, you know, to really see what happens. There's a magic when you become a student, you know, instead of just a seeker, become a student. You talked about last time, is we, we briefly touched on it, is kind of, yeah, the universe will show you the way. It is, you, you can't approach it with the mind. And that for me... Yeah. yeah, but not in a passive way, Nils. So God will help you, but you have to help God to help you. As I was telling exactly, you, you, yeah. need to do, you need to take a step. You need to start practicing some yoga, start doing purifications, changing some behaviors, making some sacrifices of some lower tendencies that uh, still st stick with you. And by that uh, movement, what you are saying to God is, okay, I want... Because it's not enough that you search on your mind. You have to do something that shows, I want, I am willing, I am devoted, let's do it. And in, when you, it's, you know, my teacher always said, when I think it's actually a traditional proverb in India, when you take one step towards God, God takes a hundred steps towards you. So active is not a passive thing. Yeah, yeah. I totally understand you. It's, <laughs> um... <laughs> it's just difficult. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, difficult. It's I'm not free in order to just go and pursue um, what we're talking about. But but you already have the awareness of that, which is spectacular. You know, it's a very good step already that you are aware that you don't have the freedom to do something. That is already the first step of freedom, because most people are not aware that they cannot choose that. They just think, ah, it's not for me, or mm, I don't like that. You being aware that something in you is trying to not give you that freedom is already the first step of freedom and if you catch it Niels, you can take the step you how do i say this to you you know you have a freedom to start walking and not stop for at least a couple of days even without food or water you know you have that freedom i'm not saying you should do it it's just to make your mind open a little bit you have a certain freedom you can choose you can make a certain step and especially now after a talk like this where we are you know confronting ideas you can stop this talk and do whatever yoga you know do a sun salutation <laughs> just immediately you know just to break the cycle just to show who's the boss i'm the boss i chose to do some yoga now and you didn't want me you know you just <laughs> don't let your mind rule anymore make a decision of something you are willing to do so and then do that and this small step of doing something simple like one sun salutation, it's more than you imagine in some levels. It's, it's spectacular to take the freedom to show yourself you can do one sun salutation. So I would recommend that. <laughs> yeah, no, that is interesting, yeah. Because for me, I feel like I, I can go, it's for me a, currently a very slippery road where, you know, I'm, I'm back into this, how society and whatever is around me um, defines me or conditions me, right? And where I'm, I'm not being fully myself, really. Um, yeah. It's a very interesting time right now because I really start feeling this, that where 
where my surrounding or my past has conditioned me and what I am. I have partly experienced what I am during the past year and it was free and liberal and this is what I am. But then I, I get sort of pulled back, back into this other part when I'm not conscious. And that's why I was so interested. How, how, how do you manage in, in this in this surrounded world right now and to, to stay true to yourself, what you really are? Well, there, there are always things that we are not ready to do. <clears throat> Sorry, but there are things that we are ready to do. For instance, for some people, it's almost impossible to discipline themselves to do one yoga thing per day, one yoga position, yes? But those people have something else that they can do that will help in the right direction. For instance, some people can stop eating sugar for a week. It's hard, but they actually can do that. Or some people can say, okay, during this week, I'll not scream at anybody if they are angry people usually. And they can actually do that discipline. So you have to find what area of your life are you capable in this moment to install Instill, uh, install some discipline and start with that. So I personally, for instance, when I have these moments where it's very hard with everything, what helps me is to somehow restrict what I eat. So I can make a diet where I eat uh, only cereals and uh, or carrots or, you know, I restrict the pleasure of eating and somehow that also changes my mind in a very beneficial way. But that's particular to me. I'm sure some people, it's impossible to tell them not to eat <laughs> some sweets. And they are very happy to do some push-ups or whatever. You know. So you have to see or search, what are you, Nils, capable to do now as a constriction, as a restriction for yourself that you decide and you auto-impose and you actually do. So when you find that thing, you'll see that by doing that one thing, then you are much more free to do the next one and the next one instead of allowing another circle which is the downward spiral of eh, i couldn't do that well, i can also not do that and you are always finding things you are not capable you know find something you are capable and build upon that no matter how small it is it can be to break a toothpick per day you tell yourself okay i'm gonna break one toothpick per day and you put them on the table where you can see them so you don't forget and you break one per day for seven days good you did something you said you would do now let's see something a bit more complex and this uh, step by step i think is what hooks us you know if you can grab onto something like this and stay there slowly slowly you grow and you transform and you mm. are irrecognizable in one year let's, can we talk about this a bit because this is this exact thing is puzzling me personally because i i see people that do yoga twice a week or I even met people that do yoga every single week or meditate every single week for a bit and this you stumble upon these practices and you think all right if i want to go this path i need to do that as well and then i feel i'm going crazy with this because i it feels more for me like right this is sort of a constraint box that i need to fit in all right i, I need to meditate every day for at least a bit and i was yeah. talking to a yogi about it and he coincidentally has that same well, i don't want to say problem but he he needs to have a dynamic life he can't do these sort of same things same practice every day or every week because it is mundane and then it drives him crazy and this is how i feel as well then i'm i'm again in in 
in a different constraint, I can't deal with this constraint because I'm, I'm naturally a different person. Um, so I, I haven't found my approach. <laughs> well, you can try. I mean, I think this is something all of us went through. I definitely go through that, uh, that need of novelty, you know, that need of something that again is sparkles, spark, sparkles, the sparks, the, yeah, sparks, yeah, it sparks the attention, sparks the desire, sparks the enthusiasm, and uh, what I think is natural is that you have periods where it's super easy to go into something, and then periods when it's almost impossible. It doesn't matter what you put there, even if somebody tells you, okay. Now you have to make love every day, every day. For you go after wait a second. Every day I have to make love, but I don't want to make love. Every day. Even <laughs> yeah. if it, even if it's something wonderful, you know, it's difficult for us human beings, especially with the influence of the mind that we have nowadays, to keep something like that so strict. That's why I was telling you: find something small that you can do, and do a little bit, and then you know, even take a step back. You did I don't know, twenty-one days of something as an effort, right? Then take a step back, relax, two, three days, don't do anything, just observe, notice if something good happened due to that. Imagine if in the, even in the most non-spiritual level, let's talk just physical, you do 50 push-ups every day for, I don't know, a month, yeah? And you finish a month and you did 50 push-ups every day. In the end, relax a little bit, stay a few days and notice do you feel more strong strength in your arms do you feel your chest is a little bit bigger are you more happy with your you know constitution vitality strength are you yeah good okay what can you do now more with this that you acquire because what happens is that when you do an effort that effort produces a good result if it was a well done effort that result is the fuel for the next one you understand so the next one doesn't come out of the blue the problem is that most people they are doing an effort without reaching any fruits of effort you know without reaching any amazing results and then they are of course it's just you know tension on the and they are stressed and then they just when they relax is a relief you know it's a kind of procrastination yeah, pattern yeah, yeah. when you when you don't have the exam anymore ah oh, okay then i can relax <laughs> but Niels, if you find something that you can measure a result in the end it is so amazing to have a result you feel, especially if it's a result that is visible for others, you know, that people can also, or if you have a one person or two that are close to you and you can share, and now they see, wow, but you are totally different, Niels. Do you remember how you used to speak always something ethereal in your mind? And now you're so sharp, so concrete. It's like you have cleaned your brain or something. You did something amazing. What did you do? And then you get enthusiastic to do something more. So uh, this is a barrier. You are right. And it's not an easy one. But start with something small that gives you some result. Even if it's in the most basic physical level, you know, that gives you... Don't go for remote viewing. That's a very <laughs> high level. Start with something simple. For instance, um, I don't know if you, in your search about Tantra, you found this absolutely incredible teaching of uh, Amorous Erotic Continents. You, you read about this? I don't think so. I don't, I don't so, recall it. So it's something you can search. It's very beautiful. So Amorous Erotic Continence is a discipline, or in Taoism, they call it, it's a more sexy name. They call it sexual kung fu. So <laughs> <laughs> that's it's, a good name. It, it's, yeah, it's a funny name. But it's basically a discipline that most yogis and for sure all tantrics uh, go into, which is a discipline of redirecting the, we spoke a bit last time, the sexual energies. And yeah. uh, this uh, effort gives 
amazing results and it gives amazing enthusiasm. Imagine if you succeed to learn to simply first level, yes, the most basic, you're not yet spectacular, you're just basic, you manage not to ejaculate immediately when you're having a erotic interaction, yeah? So you mm. just succeeded to not finish immediately. That will make the girl very happy, as you can imagine, right? So just that feedback of the woman saying, wow, how do you do that? How do you stay so long? You know, it, it will do something to you and it will give you an enthusiasm. I don't know what is your main areas of interest, but this is quite a common area of interest, sexuality and love and eroticism. Yeah. So if, if you find the discipline such as this one, which is amazing, revolutionary, this discipline of amorous erotic continence, which is much more than simply lasting longer, I'm, I'm just giving the first basic idea. Um, if you enter into this discipline, and you really go into it, I tell you, uh, actually, you, you can search. There are so many testimonies online of people who started to experiment with this. It's just, you, you cannot even relate to how you were before. You are so transformed. The level of energy you have in your body when you don't uh, lose your energy, let's say. The level of empathy, how you can perceive the others, even in your the things you like to do, you know, this remote thing, the, the capacity you will have for subtle perceptions and moving into extra, extra dimensional areas, it will be so enhanced that you, you feel like you took the sacred pill. This is the holy of holies, you know? And, uh, and so finding something that is in enthusiasm, uh, giving you enthusiasm will be, I think, a help uh, for you, Nils, I hope at least. And so search this uh, erotic amorous continents and read about it and more than read because you are a very good reader. Practice it. <laughs> so more than everything to practice it. And I think it will bring you to a very, very beautiful path if you go there, Nils. Yeah, I think now you left a hook there for me to, <laughs> to dive in. That is interesting because I, I don't know anything about this topic, yet um, things I have practiced or tried a few months ago is really sort of holding that energy back in and what then happens is that in your vision everything gets brighter and you sort of get a, a wider field of view which is very interesting to sort of i would more describe it sort of hold that life force back within and use that life force for sort of yourself or something else right to to have that energy within you and not give it away and then you yeah that your view field, your field of view gets wider and brighter. That's a very interesting experience. Ah, then, then you know, Nils, this is exactly it. And it will grow much more than that. And um, <clears throat> I don't want to create a false advertising for the, this kind of uh, <laughs> spiritual practices, but I, I will share something with you because it might be inspiring. I was sharing this with one, uh, uh, with one friend uh, at work. So a person who did not have such a spiritual integration before. And he was quite interested in it, like a man, and a young man that he was. And uh, he decided to, to try. Okay, I'll try this. I'm, I'm going to learn. He joined the yoga course and he started to really deepen this. And then he was just blown away. He, he, he said that he could not believe what was happening. So when he finally reached, it took him a few months, a year, when he finally reached to a certain level of energy that was enough for him to transcend to the next level, let's say like this, poetically, mm -hmm. when that happened and he was in the first time feeling that transcendence, I think is like when a blind person sees for the first time, you know, it's like 
you you were saying very beautifully the first steps when you start to see that your angle of vision widens and the light is brighter it's really worth it Niels and you will try it i think you'll not regret it wow.